Hi everybody, this is Wit from Spiderbait. When I'm passing through Karam, aside from slowing down to 50 kilometres an hour and reminisces about doing the Eel Race Road Rumba or the Watley Street Wiggle, I like to tune in to Radio Karam and get down with the good vibes. You're listening to Rowan Pratt Method where we talk all things fitness, mindset, well-being, performance and lifestyle design so that you can live a high-performance life. Welcome to the show, Clint Forrest, who is a CRF performance PT. How you going? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Glad to have you here. So I understand your family has been heavily involved with the fitness industry. Definitely. Uh, my uh, eight-year-old sister, she's an exercise physiologist. And so I was probably 13 or 14 when she was doing her uni degree. So started quite young. Um, my brother is two years younger than me, and he was a performance coach as well so like high performance pt um did some athletic performance trained vfl club stuff like that so yeah it's been around for a long time so yeah it was a kind of a walk in the park to be in this industry yeah so you pretty much had it in your bloodline didn't had you? in the bloodlines but i started late i did was 30 or 29 before i actually got into training people personally yeah in the industry but i was i've been training my whole life we've played tennis so what made you decide to make it a career choice? My brother. Yeah? Yeah, because he, uh, he's been in part involved in gyms in the city for years when he was younger, um, like part owners, stuff like that. So he's like, I think I, I, was, I was a mechanic by trade. So when I was younger, I was in the cars, and I still am. Um, but he, I think we dried up work. It would have been 08, 09, things started drying up with the global financial stuff like that. And yeah. I, did, I was in and out of work a bit, and he said, why don't you come BPT? So did my course, did that stuff, but I'd been training for years anyway. Because I walk in a park, I'm good with people. Yep. And, yeah, it's sort of snowballed. Do you know what I find interesting? Because you have such knowledge, which we'll get into, about injury prevention, and you have a mechanical background Correct. where you're looking for problems and things. You've just taken one strategy aspect. or like aspect of your life that you're professional in and you've applied it to another niche. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And it's probably why I'm good at what I do. I've got a mechanical brain and the human body to me is a, you're a machine. Yeah. So you're a lever. We leverage. I was really good at levers at school when I was younger. Yeah. My aptitude test was really good on leverage. That's how I got into mechanics. Yeah. So, um, well, it's yeah. just a different vehicle that you're applying the knowledge 100%, to. 100%. And that's all I look at. It. I look at, you know, I refer in to my clients a lot of times, whether they're a male or whatever, I return you know, term car stuff like pistons and things like that because they are a machine and I look at our body as a machine. Okay. It is. Lots of people probably tell you that's not the way it is, but it is in my eyes. I look at the way you move and I'm like, you're not moving efficiently, then I, you know, I, I can relate. So yeah, no, just- I completely agree with that. So years ago, I didn't finish the course, but I was doing a double degree in human movement and psychology. Yep. So doing the human movement and biomechanics and things, I took that information, only got halfway through and then decided to go travel and live overseas, mm. never went back, worked in the industry anyway. But though that information was so vital looking at how the body moves, kinetic linking, biomechanics, and being effective and efficient. I applied it to combat sports, but you're applying it to athletes and everyday people. Everyday people, correct, yeah. And that's all it is. You're looking at a movement dysfunction in a a machine. Yeah. And the human body is just a complicated machine. Yeah. A very complicated machine that a lot of people don't understand, so. No, it's... um. A lot of people think of the body in terms of muscles as opposed to movements. Yeah, correct. A hundred percent. And that's, that's the thing I'll, I'll, we'll talk about maybe when you ask that. But 
you can't look at it as isolating a muscle group to, to strengthen a problem. So you've got an injury in this joint. Oh, let's just strengthen up this muscle, which is what physios might give you or, you know, some professional health practitioner will give you. This exercise needs to fix this injury. But if your brain connection doesn't fire that pattern or you're, you're using that, you know, you might be doing a bicep curl, for instance. Oh, my bicep's weak. Okay, strengthen up the bicep. But if you're going to do a pulling type of row type of exercise and that's what's created the problem, if you're not actually replicating that that pattern properly, you're still going to create the injury. So you might fix that muscle strength, but then you don't integrate it as a movement pattern. So yeah. the brain doesn't recognize it. So you're getting stronger in that bicep, but you're actually not integrating it into the pattern that created the injury. So you're not recruiting that particular muscle, despite you isolating it, you're not recruiting no. it for the movement pattern. No, because if you're if you're cheating, if you're using your back or you're using something else as you're pulling, you're not actually using that muscle group, then you need to work out what how to change that movement pattern so that you are. Well, I think it comes down when you're just looking at general population doing physical exercise. Bench press, for example. Some people are more tricep dominant. Some people are more pec dominant simply by the levers and how they're moving their body. Ah, yep. And they wonder why their chest won't develop for some reason or whatever it may it's be. It's called genetics. Yeah, that's <laughs> a big factor of muscle pick fibers. You can't, yeah, you can't change your genetics, but you, you can work with what you've got. So bench press, good thing you picked that up. I was thinking about that on the way here. Um that's a very common problem I find everyone doesn't bench press properly or you know I look at every client I get and they're moving around something they're moving around a uh, dysfunctional pattern so it might be a core or um, just just where they're putting their weight right so I look at the bar movement and I'm like the bar's twisting or twirling or it's, it's you know driving it up with one arm or something I'll go I ask them questions. I'm like, where do you feel that? What do you? Where's the weight on your feet? And they go, what do you mean on my feet? I'm like, put your weight on your heels or put your weight on your feet and make sure that's even. And that shifts the hips. To, you know, if you've got even pressure on your feet and you or one one foot's more dominant, your hips are now shifted. You're going to put more weight across the other side of that pattern. So if I go push, so say they're instance they're dragging their left arm up, so they're pushing dominant with their right arm on the bench press. And that's, they're always, oh, my left shoulder's always sore. Put your right heel into the, push it down into the floor, and that'll straighten your body up. You'll, you'll recruit your lats and your glute on the opposite side, and you'll push the bar straight. See, most people wouldn't even consider what their feet are doing. No. In, in terms of how that would stabilize for doing something like a bench press. That's right. And that's where I come into when I look at their patterning. I might try this, try this, try this, and they instantly push better. And they go, geez, that was heaps easier. Now you're recruiting your body properly. But you if you don't have your proprioception or you're not aware of the way your body's moving, you just keep pushing it wrong. Yeah. So Reinforcing that movement pattern over time. Nothing I do is new, but what I give people is an awareness of what they're actually doing in space because they don't have any freaking idea. <laughs> they're, 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 they're going, oh, I've just been doing this for years. Like, yeah, but you're doing it wrong. And you've done something wrong for 20 times, a bad habit. It's very hard to break it. I find when I train combat sport athletes, they come to me and they have reinforced movement patterns that are often not effective or efficient with their movement. They're just, mm. they're not rotating the hips or the feet. They're not transferring weight. There's all these things in the kinetic chain before they actually deliver a punch. And then they get a basic idea of it, but they go away and practice on the bag by themselves or they reinforce the wrong habit. They come back. I'm like, you've just created a new habit. 
And we have to work against that because you're reinforcing the wrong movement pattern. Correct, yeah. So we have to slow it down, get the body moving in the correct way, which might be if you're doing bench press, doing less weight until you learn the movement uh, it's all about correctly. It's all about getting movement perfect. It doesn't matter if you're using no weight. It doesn't, yeah. yeah people are too in, <laughs> people as males are yeah. very, but I've got to put my weight on. I'm like, no, you don't. But it's the only way I grow muscles. No. You, yes, but you've got to actually move well or you're just going to create problems. Yeah. And you're not going to recruit the right muscles, you know. If you look at a bench press, it's a full body exercise. It's not a pec dominant ex- exercise, actually. The pecs are very rarely recruited that much. Mm. The triceps are a lot more because of the way that the pec actually inserts. Unless you're doing a decline bench press, you're really not using it as much as you think. Yeah. You know? It's funny, isn't it? It's a whole body exercise. You're using, using your lats a lot more and you're using your glutes. This is where I wanted to get into where movement patterns and balancing out physiology. Because a lot of people don't do this. We were discussing this before we went live where people are very anterior dominant in not only in exercise, but in life. Mm. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Everything we do in the world is in front of us. So you're creating a um, an anterior world. Like you, you live in... Um, Everything you grab a drink, you, it's all in front of you. You're not you're walk, not walking backwards. You're not you're not walking sideways. You're walking front ways. So you're creating closed off chains inside, in, internally rotating. Um, when you get added stresses of like life, people um, have a, a bad relationship or they're just tense in their work life. They shrug and they they close over like they go into fetal position, and then they're tense. So what happens because they're tense, they create these tight muscles in your anterior and then yeah okay you take your sports everything you're probably doing in sports is you know pushing pushing or pushing tennis you, you, you're serving you're hitting it's all forwards you're not hitting but you know you might be doing a back you know a backhand or something but you might it's very rare that you're going to be posterior dominant most people do not activate the posterior chain in most most movement patterns they like walk you around it yeah, exactly. Mm. And that's where a lot of injuries, particularly a lot of home gym junkies that do excessive amounts of core work, sit-ups basically, and push-ups. And they come in, I look at their posture and straight away I know. I'm like, mm. you've been on heaps of push-ups, haven't you, man? Yeah, and also I find that it's an image thing to look, they look at what they've seen in the mirror. Yeah. You know? So they go, oh, if I, I look like this, I'm closed over, I've got bigger muscles. You yeah. Know? Oh, they like the physical look of it, but from behind they look like, yeah. open up yeah. rounded shoulders and Captain lats yeah, yeah or just they don't even you can't say they've got no, got a round back yeah and it's just terrible yeah um, and then I might just how's your shoulders and they go oh yeah fuck a little bit of pain you know it's always got a little bit of pain but that little bit of pain is quite bad usually so imagine if you're looking at a car or a human body and there were these inconsistencies with the movement pattern we're talking about structure here with the human body yep. what sort of problems arise from a general population point of view general population um, majority of people come to me, are you talking about like someone just wants to look good and well, I see a, a dysfunction or something? Let's, let's look, all right, we'll go the first step. We'll look at someone that's aiming for body beautification. Yep. So they're looking for appearance. And as we were discussing before, most people that come to get a personal trainer or anything in the fitness industry, they're looking for aesthetics. Correct. They're not looking for function unless they're an athlete. Um, mm. Despite the fact that a lot of people are obsessed with the weight on the bar, unless you're an Olympic lifter, then mm. there's no real need for no, that. Correct. Um, if it's aesthetics that they're aiming for. But what are the problems that most people look like, uh, sorry, encounter that are aiming for body beautification? Um, we start moving and then they start to get some pain yeah. somewhere. So somewhere. where would these pains be? Oh, that could be knees, could be shoulders, could be elbows, could be tennis elbow, could be an ankle. Um, 
but yeah, a lot, a lot of them are hips, you know, uh, back. You're back just, is a common one. Back shoulders com- is a big one. Shoulders, back, and knees, I think, are yeah. my biggest ones that I sort of get. So let's um, take them one at a time. What do you think? Obviously, there's no one size fits all, mm. but. In terms of back, for example, usually people have tight hip flexors, usually a weak core. There's a few issues. What do you think are the common things that are associated with a back problem? Core, every time. Yeah. Every time, because what's happening is they're using their back or they're using their glutes or they're using their hip rotators for a lack of stability. So their hips are trying to stabilize something that the core hasn't done. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's very, it's, it's individual. Like you, you can't just say that's what we're No, but there is some I, commonalities that are. The common, common stuff, the obliques. Yeah, this is what I want. We'll get to that. I'm very. That was very interesting, and it made me consider a few things for the way that I train personally, just based on your experience with the clients that you've had, and even working with my athletes. Mm. So, explain that concept about the the thing that ninety percent of the people that you get in terms of stability. What's the problem? The internal obliques. Fantastic. Can you elaborate on that? Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> I did a movement course probably eight years ago with a bloke called Perry Nicholson. So he's a Canadian chiropractor movement guy he's done a lot of gray cook stuff you might have heard of gray cook very very knowledgeable person um i did this course and it kind of woke me up to how important they are now i think i've i've gone along and just had my own visions and my own sort of experiences with it with my clients as well so it's not i don't know whether it's like i've got everything from him but the main thing i find if you can't if you've got a Say you're doing a walking lunge or a stable, or like a static split squat, right? Yeah. And you're, I look at your feet. If your feet are gripping the ground on one side, you you might have a perfect pattern on one side of your body, and then you go to the next side of your body. Just this pattern, and I can do this in five seconds with someone lunging. I've now picked up you've got a problem with your internal oblique on that side of the body, because if you don't have the core base, like your your obliques are probably. And your core is the fundamental part of your body. If if you don't have a st- stability there, you're going to load up something ex- on the extremities. As a, as you're going to move out. If it's not stabilized there, it's going to grab a, a, a stabilization from somewhere else, like your adductors. So your adductors are the next line down from your obliques, internal obliques. So you go from internal oblique on the left side of your body, you go down to the left-hand adductor, or adductors, and then you'll see your knee dropping in. So if the obliques can't do their job, it gets passed on to the adductors. 100%. Or, or and upwards. It can go up as well. So mm-hmm. it's not you're not just going to go one spot. It's looking for stability in the pec on the opposite side. So say your left internal oblique is not firing. You're going to notice, I'll go, or someone's come with me, I've got a sore left knee. Okay. Your left internal oblique will probably be not functioning properly or there's a, a dysfunction there, right? I go, do you get a right-hand shoulder problem? They go, yeah, how'd you know? Is the counterbalance? So they've got a left knee problem they've just told me about. And I go, have you ever had knee, right-hand shoulder problems? They go, yeah, how'd you figure that out? I yeah. said... <laughs> You're a wizard. No, but they think I am a wizard, <laughs> yeah. but it's not, it's, not that, it's not that hard. Once you, you know, it's mechanic, yep. right? It's going to pass the line. It's, it, it's got a problem here. It's going to go down the line somewhere else. So I'll go sit on the ground. I'll do a test. I guarantee they fail it, and they fail it every time. Yeah. So I go, that internal oblique, and they go, well, how do I fix it? I said, well, who knows? It could be a neural thing. It could be uh, Do you think it's not, not firing potentially? Yeah, well, it's not working properly. So has it been that they've had trauma? 
Mm. Um, have has like have they injured somewhere in their body that's created it to move the move the chain around and the movement go? Oh, I'm going to put more power through this part of the body rather mm. than that. It's 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 really individual, um, but the common denominator is that is always the cro- problem that's creating other other links. I've always to been told up. that if there's an injury, you usually look above or below that particular site, and that's probably what's causing it. Well, injury if there is an injury and it was not trauma related, but it's like yes. a, a repetitive injury, I will go. I will then use my tools of which side of the body is it on. If it's say the right hand elbow you've got a town tail well i'll go all right well let's look at your right shoulder and then from there let's look at your left internal oblique yeah and i guarantee the left internal oblique was not probably not functioning properly and then they'll go the adductors are tight on that side the pec is tight on that side the rear you know your infraspinatus your super tight your rotator cuff is tight mm. and then their elbow is now tight because that's it's just standing down the chain it's just it's the last chain. Like your elbow, you go to your carpal tunnel, for instance, on, on a wrist. Those people haven't been; they've had frozen shoulder for ten years. Yeah, you know, they, they, it's not there. It's not their damn wrist. It's the freaking shoulder. Yeah. So release the shoulder, release the, then look down the chain, go back to the obliques. I guarantee the obliques aren't working again. Every time, they've got no core. They use everything around the core. Because if you look at a, a baby at three months old or younger. This is what this is what this course showed me when I that Perry Nicholson one. We got taught basic fundamental movements that you can do as a baby that you do do as a baby that we have forgotten. I never crawled. Oh, you didn't crawl. You missed out. Right? I did. So we did crawling patterns. We did rolling yeah. patterns. We I can crawl this. now. I've done lots of bear crawls and crawl. things with time, but yeah. apparently I didn't crawl. Just one day I stood up and walked. But well, there you, you missed the fundamental part. Yeah, I right? did. So, I've been told. So you're gonna have problems. But um, that's what we did. We did rolling. We did. We did all the basic stuff. Yep. And I and I, look, I don't do a lot of that stuff with my clients anymore. But you know. I've, I've found other methods that, that work just as well. But those patterns, if I can't get someone to fire their core, I get them doing those patterns and they go, geez, these are hard. I'm like, yeah. But they cheat. They use their neck and they use their arms and they, you yeah. can see their legs moving, but their core isn't doing the work for them. They're using the momentum of their weight of the body. Now, I like this because a lot of people are focused I have spoken to many people in the fitness industry that are focused on aesthetics. Mm. So they don't look at movement patterns as such. They focus on isolating muscles to challenge the muscle because they're just focusing specifically on hypertrophy. And they want a DOMS, ideally, so the person feels like they had a good workout. And that's what the fitness industry is designed to do anyway. Person comes in, they say, well, they want to work on their tuck-chop arms, thrash the tries, they leave sore, they feel like they got a good PT. So that's the people that are eight-week course. So I love that you've done all these things moving forward. But you're looking at performance and how the body moves because that's going to lead to better movement, more longevity, less risk of injury, and better results over the long term. So that's exactly what happens. I will probably have a lot of clients walk out after a few months because they're not getting their aesthetic goals but i don't really want to injure anyone either so i i go down the road as if you want to look good it's easy i can write you the best program in the world everyone can write you can get one online yeah but how how you then do that program or how i would change that program for that individual will be around the injuries as well so yep. they want to go and yeah i want to grow all right we'll give you 10 sets of 10 Big volume. Yeah, Massive. German volume training. German volume, yeah. yeah. Right? So everyone knows what that is these days. Um, you're going to put on weight really quickly. Yeah. But if you go, oh, my shoulders are sore now because I'm doing 10 sets of 10. High volume, yeah, yeah. On bench press, then maybe you need to have a look at why. Let's let's correct the movement pattern. So I, I would ideally, if I had a perfect world, 
I would go, we're going to do two to three months of movement correction. So you've got a perfect base and then we just trash you. Because then you've got a, you've got enough movements. You've got deadlifts, you've got squats, you've got all your bench press, all your basic movements, basics, split squats, all that stuff, correcting their technique. And then from there, you can now go, oh, let's load it. And now yeah. let's do our let's do our volume and let's do our high rep stuff and and put on some muscle. But that's not sexy in the industry right now because everyone wants it's an eight to twelve week challenge where they can put on as much mass or lose as much weight, which yeah. will be bone density, body fat, water, muscle, whatever, all of the above. It's not necessarily fat, which is what they really want. Mm. But everyone wants a quick fix, and that's where they get injured yeah. and they do these crazy training volumes ultra low calorie deficits yep. and then people wonder why there's the 1% that get a great before and after photo <laughs> but everyone else gets injured doesn't follow suit and give up within a correct, few weeks correct. it doesn't work that's what our industry is set up on at the moment for this body beautification it, it drives me nuts it is and it, it, that's the industry it's the fitness industry it's a, it's a money cash grab it's a yeah. cash cow man that's yeah. all people are doing I don't charge enough for what I do but I don't care it's yeah. about getting your results and like I'll, I'll I'll spend two hours with someone if I have to you know, I ain't watching the clock. I'm like, oh, your half an hour session's over, mate. You love what you do, don't you? I, you get me on the right paint, right, right person with the and the right sort of goal. Yeah, I'll I'll spend hours with them because yeah. I enjoy it. But it's a challenge because I look look at, especially an athlete. An athlete are very easy to work with because of their discipline. Yes. Right, but they're always the most banged up. Mm. So they're the easy. They're the biggest challenges for me because I'm like, oh shit, how long have you been doing that for? Yeah. You know. Let's see if I can fix that. So I've got a I've got a guy I train. Um, used to be a professional wakeboarder. Um, he was in the states for fifteen years. He he's, he now surfs every day. He's retired. He's 36, 37, and he surfs every day. And he come to me and goes, "What?" I actually came to me before he surfed, but he every morning he's in the surf down at you know Gunner. Yeah. At five six in the morning yeah. every day for about five hours, and he paddles paddle 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 right. And he came to me and I just started training twice a week. And all he said is, I just want to be able to do this till I'm dead. Mm. I don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm injured. I got, he came to me with a knee injury because he was running. And so he was doing like five or 10K runs. And he, he goes, oh, my knees are no good. So he got referred to me by another wakeboarder that I trained originally. And um, first thing I did, I think I think I've corrected his problems with his knees within a month, mm. maybe two months max. And he was like, mate, I've got no knee pains now. All right. Chucked his VMOs, gave him some hamstring stuff, gave him some movement stuff, and he's like, mate, best guy in the world. Why, where, where have you been my whole life, right? Because he's been injured from his whole, from 15 to 30. It's funny, people normalise living in pain. Like, they're, they're oh, persistently doing it. what they want to do, but they just accept it as a part of life. Yeah. Yeah, he hated it. But I mean, like, what do you do? You, 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 he had a career. Yeah. You know? So he's, you don't know, and if you don't know any different, how do you, if you think you've seen someone who's the best around or you've trained with someone that, that is the best that you've seen, you don't know any better. Mm. You think that is all you're going to get until you find better. And that's that's all I found. I've found better and better. And my wife's a uh, musical theatre performer. And she's had some of the best people in the in the industry, in the world, actually showing her stuff and because and, she's quite injured. Um, and she's working with someone in Sydney right now who's like, invented stuff you know like he's a he's a magician yeah he's a chiropractor but he's he teaches and lectures and he teaches other chiropractors and he goes to america and learns stuff he's a gun you know yeah. he's been very fortunate to find some good people which then i get to see or take stuff from 
And I go, well, that, that makes sense in my mind. Let's see if I can integrate that with what yeah, I Yeah, absorb what is useful, discard what is not. You're 100%. always learning. Yeah, for sure. That's why I love running this radio segment because I get people like yourself, experts from all these different fields that talk about things that I'm interested in and have some experience. You just explain it in a different way or based on your knowledge and your things. It helps me grow and I love the conversation. Yep. So having people like that in your life is amazing. If I can have that chat once a week for an hour, yep. I'm killing it. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, it's yeah. really good. And it's all you know, cross-contamination is what my uh, one of my mates terms it as. He's like, well, you know, you get a bit of information from this guy and a bit of information from this guy and you go, oh, that's that makes sense and let's, let's integrate that. See, what's good is you don't just take it as gospel. After years of experience, you can weigh up, yes, that sounds right yes. based on my experience and what I've learnt previously. Sometimes mm-hmm. you've got to be open to things that are in a little, little bit left field, but if it makes sense, maybe you apply it, give it a go, and then get some success, but it's Correct. always growing. Yeah, exactly. And if you you know, if it doesn't work, you no skin off your nose, it didn't work for you. Yeah. You know? But yeah, I think you get a radar for what works and what doesn't work and just experience. I think that's I can't say anything but the experience that I've had, it all works. What yeah. I, what I give. So yeah. you know, there's probably a lot of people that oh that's not how that'll work, but Yeah, but there's always outlines I've, in terms of anything. Yeah, but I mean you talk to a physio or you know, osteo or something like oh, that doesn't make sense well that's because what they're trained in a book is not making sense to them but real world application yeah and then i will prove it i'll go well let's have a look at this let's show you this you know yeah but the brain is very powerful it and, is and if you understand it well, i don't think anyone really understands it but if you can open your mind to understanding it and you know that by moving your arm or moving a pattern you're not just curling a bicep you know it's it's a whole different there's a lot going in neurally psychologically emotionally like the way that injuries and stresses in the body can manifest from emotions as well yeah for sure that's that's very um meridians and osteopathic kind of like down that path yeah i've I've heard i don't really know much about that it's not my thing but um yeah my my osteo is real big on that he's like oh where you've got pain here that might be emotional for this this this." yeah i had a lot of people like one of the common ones that come to mind is when people say if they have back pain it's often a feeling of lack of support and whenever i've asked people they've actually normally confirmed i can't remember who told me this years ago but it's always stuck with me and it just made sense that Mm. often when people really thought about it they did have that underlying feeling so it is interesting obviously it's a whole different field we work with the mechanics yeah yeah i'll I'll stick to the mechanics but yeah the mind stuff and the spirituality and all that stuff of some of these trainers are just you know that it's it all works and and if you're open to it yeah you know it's like that's funny i heard something the belief it's not just what you do and even when it comes down to supplements i believe they did a study when it came to creatine and i found this fascinating where they had like half the people trying creatine and they got a certain amount of results and they didn't know they were on it. Yeah, and then other people were on creatine and they were told that they were going to have the effects mm. of creatine and it was amplified. 100%. So placebo, they're not saying it is solely to do with it, no. but it will amplify results 100%. if you believe in it. I, had, I think I had this conversation the other day with somebody, like if you believe it's going to happen, nine times out of ten, you're probably going to feel something. Yep. You're going to feel something. Like you, oh, I'm getting results because you think you're getting results. Yeah. But if I've got it written down on paper or, you know, I, I keep a log of a lot of my clients. So I'm like, this is what you're lifting and this is how many reps and sets you're doing. I physically look better. Your weight's the same. Your pinch test's the same. You, you haven't changed. Yeah. But you feel good. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. You know, or that's like an interesting not element. Every, that if you think you've got something out of it or you think you're in less pain, okay, then maybe you are. But you could be just creating that in your mind. Yeah, yeah. that's a very that's interesting a, rabbit hole thing. to go down. Now, when you mentioned that, 
I'm very curious because we were talking about how people generally train for appearance purposes. That's what most people want to get fit for. Mm-hmm. For fitness goals, it really is appearance. Some people train for function. Maybe they're an athlete or something, or maybe they've got yep. a, a, an issue or something, but normally it's appearance. Yep. I believe that most people should make that shift where they train to feel good because they get the endorphins, their movements easier, they get increased confidence from their body changing, they have more energy, all these benefits. Then it's not a chore. You do it because you feel good. You're not punishing yourself to get doms. You do it because you feel great doing it. Then it's not a chore to go to the gym. No, that's exactly right. It's a life. Yeah. You know? That's it. And you change your identity to that of a healthy person. You change your life. You aren't someone who's a moping around sitting on the couch person to, you know, you now go... I've got a purpose in life. I actually want to go and do this because I feel fantastic doing yeah. it. You know? Have you seen those changes with the clients? I have, yeah. I've, I've got a client, the one I had this morning, she she was, she was, feels great yeah. because she, you know, I think she needs the gym. You know, it's an outlet. I think we all do. It's an outlet for some people, you know. I'm probably lazy in, in the way I don't train much at all these days, but I'm quite content with how I am. Yeah. Um, I'm happy in my mind. So I think if you, uh, um, you know, you're not happy with yourself, and then you feel happy with yourself now because you've gone to the gym, you've got a little bit more appearance, better better aesthetics, you feel better about yourself, you have some confidence, your, your, your life's better, right? I think they, They've got gym, more motivation to do stuff in their, their day-to-day life. Definitely. And I think with a gym, I think it's one of the few things that you, can, you are in complete control of the outcome. Mm. Like if you train, you can change your appearance. You can work on particular muscle groups. You can get stronger and you can carry that confidence over to your business, to your relationships and all these other areas of life. That's right. Well, you're also, you can control the gym. Yeah. You know, my my partner, she can can control the gym. She can't control some of her um, aspects of her other life, you know, but she can control the gym. So if she has, misses out on a show or something, she'll go to the gym and that's her way of, that's how she can cope with things. You That's know? a great coping strategy. Yeah, for her, I think so, yeah. Now, I'm curious. I ask this to a lot of people in the fitness industry. What did you see happen during COVID? Because I know gyms were such – it's a coping strategy for most people. It's a, a support place they could go to. And all of a sudden, they were locked out yes, for two for years. Sh- for sure. And I, I, I was um, – it's kind of hard because I, I actually do build cars on the side. Yeah. Um, as I said, I still do car stuff. So – I had to re-sort of structure my business. I started doing car stuff again. Mm. So now I do a bit of two two businesses. So I've got my PT at home and then I've, I've got a wall and I've got my car building side. So I still do that because it was a good shit. If this goes pear-shaped, I've got something to fall back on. Mm. Um, I lost practically 90% of my, my business. Yeah. Um, I still had a couple guys. Like I had my athlete guy coming in. I had another guy come and just use my, my facility um, and a couple of the, couple of the ladies I trained, they kept coming, but um, yeah, pretty it was hard. So I had to restructure my my whole business. So yes, it killed my business, but you know, because I don't just have a gym where people come and use memberships. I, yeah. I have my own. It's a personal one on one based studio, and I work with that individual for whatever they need. It's so, a very personal relationship. Very personal. And if if they can't, if you know, if they didn't come because you know, they didn't feel safe to come or, you know, the world was, you know, fucking went to 
shit, mate. So no one, everyone didn't know what was going on. Yeah. You know, I had a lot of loyal clients that still would come and pop their head in uh, since they were able to come down for their 5K yeah, the 5K exercise, radius you know. was chaos. Yeah, so, you know, we did that or whatever. I was the same, man. It shut down my business. I was planning on expanding my fight promotion. I had a fight show booked and cancelled it for another reason and then lockdown started. So mm. And constantly for months, everyone's like, when's the next show? And that went on for two years and I still haven't got around to doing one yet. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's chaos. But the the issues that I saw was so many people struggling with mental health because, as Definitely. you said, it was a coping strategy for people. Mm. Gym is like a sanctuary for people. And then it was taken away from them. Yeah. Well, I had um, I had a, a mate of mine who I never trained, but he used to go to the gym quite often. Every every day, I think it was there. And um, he he messaged me, he said, mate, do you still have your staff set up? I said, I do, in my factory where I was at the time. And he said, can I come and use it? I said, yep, no problems. He paid me to just use my gym. Yeah. And he was there for the whole of the, was it 2020 lockdown, practically? Five, six months. And he, he, he just, he had to come because if he didn't go to the gym, he'd have mental issues, which he would go on a bender or he would go on trash stuff or like he was, you know, he'd been in jail before because of his mental health. Yeah. Um, take drugs, all this sort of stuff. So if he didn't go to the gym, he was going to fall back in that trap. And he's like, I don't want to go back there. I yeah. need to go to the gym. I can't get into any gym. Can't use your stuff. So I was eating, no worries. It's such a common theme because I've known so many people that have turned their life around that have had similar experiences, similar colourful paths, and gym has transformed their life as a coping strategy for them to move forward in so many areas. And yeah. when that was gone, that's why fitness is not just fitness. It's not just aesthetics. No, it's not. Sometimes that gets them in the door because they want to look better because body beautification is the main thing they want to focus on. Yeah. But all the benefits that come from it go beyond that. Exactly. Yeah, sex sells, mate. It's, it's, about, <laughs> it's about being being sexy. And if you feel good, you're gonna, you know, that's the main goal here. That's yeah. why everyone goes to the gym to start with. But once they see the benefits of the lifestyle the health that you know they're walking easier they're they're breathing easier mm. breathing yeah you know they feel good they're relaxed they're not so uptight and tense all the time they go oh jesus this i need to keep doing this yes yeah now i want to bring this up because you mentioned and i love that you're so focused on movement and injury prevention and performance and longevity great things that a lot of personal trainers aren't focused on what is your opinion on what it used to be men's health magazines, poster boys, and yep. what it did to the fitness industry and how it influenced people that wanted to get fit. What about influencers that we're facing now? Like people that are just your typical Facebook, Instagram, is like- The ones are, that are doing the crazy stuff? To like, a degree, but also the ones that are probably on something anabolic and oh, yeah. setting people up with high expectations. Yeah, it's false. It's um, giving people, even, even the women, like, you know, They've got fake this, fake this. They've Botox this or all this Photoshopped. Stuff. Photoshopped. It's- Lighting the works. 100%. You, you know, you know, it's not it's not real. Like I get clients that all women are coming and they go, oh God, I've got to look like this. Or, you know, it's not real. You're not- you They don't even look like that. They don't, correct. <laughs> oh, like, they do not look like this. They know how to shape their body. They know how to pose. They know how to take the right lighting. They've got all these special cameras. They get Botox. They get all these- surgeries all this stuff and then they photo edit it i said that's not real i said you look at these people in the in the flesh like and you probably passed 10 down the street that would be able to do the same thing and they look nothing like it yeah the the body looks nothing like it 
don't know. It's all angles. These expectations, I I talk to a lot of people about it. Creating mental problems. It really is Mm -hmm. because people have got that comparison to these people that, and it used to be if they bought a men's health magazine and they were consciously thinking about fitness, so they compare themselves to these people or a women's health magazine. But now social media is bombarding people with these images all the time. 40 times worse. So it's either a 20-year-old that's just genetically lean and really doesn't know how to get someone results. They've just lean. We've all, all been there at some point. Correct. They're all or they're 20s. enhanced. Yeah, they're all they're all in their early 20s. Yeah. I, I'd have to tell you, they're all in their early 20s. I don't give a shit. Males or females. Yeah. They're not, they're not 40s. No. The 40-year-olds that look good, they look good. Yeah. And there's not many of them. But when they post up on Instagram, you're like, they know what they're doing. Because they're usually in the health industry or they're, yes. you know. It's a career. It's a career. But they, they do what they need to do and they know how to look good. And they you can tell their photos aren't photoshopped. Yeah. And they're also, you know, you can tell that the actual, the shape of their body, they don't actually pose to to promote certain aspects, you know. Yeah. Like, it's not as fake. Yeah, it's interesting that they're all in the 20s. It's all about how many likes they get yeah. and how many followers it's they get. It's a new world because you've been in the industry a long time and this has only sort of happened the last couple of years. Mm. Yeah, and, I, and I, I didn't start with an Instagram or a Facebook. I had a Facebook, but I didn't start with an Instagram account. Yeah. You know, I, I was at a gym in Berwick and one of the membership consultants was like, you need, a member, you need an Instagram. I'm like, yeah. nah, man, I don't need one. And he set me one up. And I really don't use it yeah. <laughs> still today. I'm adapting because I guess a different generation of people that I want to be able to help with the right information mm. as opposed to the negative because I think there's so much misinformation going out there. Yeah. But I very much was word of mouth for everyone that I worked with. All my clients are word of mouth. People that I trained 17 Same. years ago, I get referrals with their partners or their kids or whatever else will come back around. Same. But now everything is online. It's, a, it's changed. Yeah. See, I can't do what I do online. Yeah, well, you can't because no. you aren't just writing a generic cookie-cutter no. program to no. give all these people the same thing and it's hit and miss. But I can, give, I can give anyone the same program. Yeah. Right? I can give you the best program. I've done a high-end program course, you know, did the Polygon certification program course. I want to talk about that. Right? Sorry, finish your sentence. But um, that, that, that can give you all the tools to write the best programs in the world. No one knows anything better. It's That's all you get, right? You know, there's the check stuff as well, but... I can write a good program, but the, they can't execute it. Yeah. Or, or the way that they're going down the, you know, someone goes, oh, can you write me this, this, this? I want to grow. I'm like, yeah, you can grow in three months with this program, mate. But if you're not doing it right, hmm. or you, you're not moving right, you're going to have a problem here and you're not going to put, you're not going to get the results. Yeah. So when I see a dysfunctional pattern in, in anything, I'm like, well, you can't even lunge. Yeah, you, I love using, that you keep referring your, to a unilateral movement because most people back. overlook them. Most people don't do that. No. So it's very much more beneficial for well, movement it's the purposes. Biggest, it's the biggest thing to show up. If you do a split squat or, or just a step lunge, alternating step lunge, and you're falling over, you, you're not balanced. You, yeah. you got, you're, you're cheating. You're using your back to lift it out of the – or you're using hip flexor, your back leg hip flexor. You're not yes, you're using the right leg. So say you do a, a right foot lunge – if you're all over the joint using a duck, you're falling in, your knee's dropping in, or you're, you're unstable on your foot, mm. you're not using the quads. You're not going to get any. You're not going to get that muscle atro- uh, hypertrophy that you want because you're not using it properly. Yes. So, if you can't do it, how how do you think you're going to do on a bloody barbell squat? Yeah, of with, course. A, with a seven foot bar. The funny thing Massive. is when you get a lot of people with dysfunctional movement patterns and they're adding significant load, it's a recipe for injury. And I'm oh. sure you've met so many people yep. that have experienced that. Mm. Oh, yeah, I, I, I probably don't. I, I, I don't give them that. 
I, yeah. they, they come to me and I put nothing on the bar. Yeah. And it's, they, fun, it's very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Humbling for people like that when they have to start to learn how to move their I body usually, correctly. They'll either, they'll either won't come back or they'll go, shit, I need this. Yeah. See, when I train boxers, they don't punch anything for the first session. We mm-hmm. turn, we learn biomechanics, how to rotate. We work with the movement yep. patterns, weight transference and everything else. They're like, but I want a box. And I'm like, no, you're not at that stage you where you that. punch anything yet. We have to work from the ground <laughs> up so that you can deliver the fist. <laughs> it's a funny thing. And people people go, but I see it on TV. It just can't be that hard. Just hit the damn thing. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny what people think in their head that it's, you know, when, but if they're an uncoordinated person, they really need a lot of movement training. Yeah, and that's where you come in. And I think a lot of people are missing out on that because, as you said, they can Google any program in the world. 100%. But that's where trainers come in because you can guide them, you can assess, you can make alterations yep. based on their progress. People can't do that by themselves. Google's not going to give you that. No. Yeah, I had a, I had a, a girl come in the other day uh, a couple of weeks ago and she's doing an online course thing or like an online um, program. And I just said to her, I said, I'm not going to write you any exercises. I said, let's go through what you've got because I said, there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. I said, you just got to know how to do it properly. So I yeah. didn't really give her anything. I just changed her pattern or I, I looked at a few things that she was doing. I said, do this, do this, do this, do this, and you'll get more out of it. You know, like there's no point me writing her a program because I'm going to give her very similar stuff yeah. because these programs today on, on apps and that are, are not bad. Mm. You know, they're, they're going to work them out. Soon AI will be writing them anyway. 100%. You know, <laughs> that's it. Well, they're probably doing it now. But, yeah. you know, like, what, what do I need to give her? Like, okay, my, my, I'll, I'll usually just maybe modify that one and do that one with that one. Or let's pull that one out because you struggle with that and let's change it to this. That's all I'm going to do to them. I'm not really going to give them anything else because I give people basic exercises. I don't go and do, let's go do snatches, mate. Mm. Can you do a snatch? Probably not. You're going to hurt yourself straight mate. away. You're not even, you can't even do a basic a basic lunge pattern, how are you going to do a bloody Olympic lift yeah. without cheating and hurting something? Yeah. Because all your body's going to do is move around the dysfunctional pattern that you already, the instability there. So you've got, you know. So I'm curious, tell me about the Palolquin training that you've done because he's an absolute legend of the industry. Charles, yeah, it was, um, well, I did um, practically level two um, strength coach and then, so my brother's level three, I think. He was at that time. I just learned a lot of stuff off him as well. But I did the uh, the program design course in 2013. Mm. Um, and practically all you do with that is they teach you all the methods that he sort of had written and used in his time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, look, it's it's just a I think high... he coined everyone moving towards failure. There's a lot of things that he's sort of done. Yeah. Yeah, look, if you look at everything he did, right... A lot of people today, I see it all the time now, there's the um, knees over toes guys, you've probably seen him. Yeah. It's all just Charles' stuff. Yeah. He didn't write any of that Isn't stuff. it funny for years everyone said you can't have knees over toes for a squat? Yeah, like but see, I, I got taught quite young. So my, bro- my brother was doing that stuff in early 2000s. So he, you know, even taught me about tempo training and, and you know, how to do yeah. a proper lunge and a proper squat and all this stuff, probably before I was even training people. So when I did the stuff online or I did the, the, the program stuff, I already knew half of the stuff. It was just yeah. refining it or, you know, there was a lot to learn. There's always so much to learn. You go to these courses and you're like, God, I'm a dumbass, you know. And you, you come back to the gym and you're like the smartest one in there, but you feel ridiculous. Small when you go through it, yeah. And these guys have been doing it for years, you know, they, and they're the best of the best. So, um, but yeah, no, look, you, you're going to, it's a very good course. Any of that stuff, 
back then was great to do. Um, I love that you're constantly upskilling because I think the industry has been flooded by people doing an eight-week Cert 3 and 4 mm. with no prior gym experience that are just naturally lean that have come into their early 20s with a reasonable metabolism mm. trying to train people. And they're trying to help people achieve health and fitness goals and they really don't know what they're they doing. They don't know what they're doing. No, but you know what? I, I know when I did it 18 years ago, you didn't even have to go into a gym <laughs> when you did the course. Like, And I had people in the class with me and I'd already been boxing for – would have been eight years and been around gyms and things before I became a personal trainer and was coaching boxing beforehand. Then there's people in the class that had never even been in a gym. Yeah, and, and it's look, it's I think I was very lucky. I had a guidance to be straight in the door high end. Yeah. So I I missed all the crap. So if I was uneducated, I didn't have my sister and didn't have my brother actually teaching me stuff when I was before I was even in the industry and I did my PT course, you'd take it as gospel. Mm. You wouldn't be putting your knees over your toes, you'd be like, and you'd, you'd come back and you're like, oh, I don't know anything. What, 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 you know, just give everyone three sets of eight to ten or ten to twelve. That's all you get. That's all you get taught. That's your strength training block, I think. Yeah. You know, half the stuff I did there, I just wrote it so I could get past the course. I was the same. You had to, like, I had, you had to play dumb to to pass the course. And my wife has actually just gone and done it over the last couple of years while she was I'd be curious COVID. to see how it's changed now over well, the years. Well, it hasn't. It's still the really? same. She, she, she did a Cert 3 and she's asking me the questions and then I think she ended up getting the people online to help her. I can't remember what happened there but then the Cert 4 stuff contradicts the, you know, Cert 3 stuff and I said, yeah, it does. You just, it doesn't make sense. Wow. You know, you do Cert 3 and it says, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, then it does Cert 4, you, oh, you can do this, and she goes, Yeah. You're like, it's, Stupid. And this is what's shaping our performance industry. So my pick would be, because you've got to do it to be in the industry, well, if you come and work in my gym, you don't. I don't care. As long as you can get insurance, which you can do that, hmm. you know. Really? You can get insurance now without... Well, I got, told, I got told a while, you could, a while ago ah, you could. As long as you've got um, international stuff. So, yeah, I mean, okay. So international stuff, more credible. But international stuff, like stuff that I've done, yep. didn't used to be yep. recognised here. Like you yeah. go to do... Czech Institute stuff or something. I think that is recognised to you now. Yep. But it didn't used to be. But you are way more qualified than anyone in this country to be yes. doing movement coaching or, you know, lifestyle coaching. Yeah. You know, people just, well, if you're not through Fitness Australia, yeah. you aren't, and you do your 20 CECs every year or Well, I think when they compare a lot of personal trainers on paper, they have the same qualification and they think they're going to get the same result. 100%. And that, that that's that's something you want to talk about, that... that Balls my blood because you go on. I, I don't look very credible on paper, hmm. right? Because my courses are, are outdated now, but I mean, they're still high end. I did it, we, me and my brother did an ASCA, so Australian Strength and Conditioning course. Yeah, level one. We didn't go back for level two, it was junk. Yeah, right. We, 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 my brother laughed at how crap Australian Strength and Conditioning courses are, and that was a level one, you know. And it's like, what if I can pay that for? I went to Geelong and learned all this stuff that was. I learned in PT school, mm. you know. It wasn't that great, but that's how good the international stuff is. We're, we're miles behind overseas, yeah. you know. Whether in so America. many areas, it's not just the fitness yeah. industry. And then I did that movement stuff a couple of years later, the perinugals and stuff, the stop chasing pain stuff, and I was like, where is our world, mate? Like, this is next level stuff, you know. And, and like, I follow bits and pieces of that now. I don't probably upskill as much as I used to, but I've just... I've got a good brain for, you know, I see what's going on and I'll just work with what I've got. Plus, I've done a lot of, obviously, if someone comes to a program, I, I can work with what they need, you know. Yeah. I'm, an, I've, I'm versed enough to sort of 
work with anybody these days. So I know you work with athletes and the general population. What are the commonalities between working with both? And what are the differences? Athletes, you're going to get a lot more results quicker. Yeah, is that due to the determination and just the fact that they've got just some that they've had experience with movement patterns? Tra- no, training. Just, just training um, intensities or discipline. Yeah. I think if you get someone that's never really been in the gym before and they just want to look good, yeah. they don't know how to, they, you know, they're pushing and, you know, might get a little bit of burn in the, you know, the hypertrophy part, you know, is it 30 seconds onwards, mm. starts, the lactate starts to burn in the muscles, right? They stop. Yeah, once they turn into oh, a robot. Oh, no, it's hurting, it's hurting, it's hurting. I'm like, <laughs> that's supposed to hurt. That's what you want to get. You want that, you know, burn. Unless, you, you know, yeah, it's, unless you've had, they've had experience, I suppose. But, yeah, I find the majority of people I train don't push themselves like an athlete. Yeah. Athletes have that, got to get the results, so they'll push that extra, you know, but then they cheat and their movement pants, so then I've got to slow them down. Because they're looking at the weight on the bar and things they're like that? They're looking at... But I've got to trash myself to get fitter or yeah. stronger or whatever it might be. So there's there's, there's a couple of different you know mentalities there. I love that because I very much came from, particularly when I was young, and I had some amazing coaches that we worked with the resources and knowledge and information that they had at the time, mm. that everything was bigger, stronger, faster, more powerful. It always led to overtraining. It always led to injuries. It yeah. always led to ridiculously high volume workouts yeah. and double-a-day workouts and things, trying to get that peak. And I'll burn out within weeks. I'd yeah. get a peak within four weeks. I'd be bossing it, but I'd always cr- like collapse at some point and start all over again because you get injured or you'd burn out. All yeah. these things would happen. One of the biggest shifts I took was prioritizing well-being to improve performance. Yeah. So telling an athlete that they actually will benefit more from training a little bit less, less yeah. is a hard thing to get across to someone yeah some people yeah my wife's a good one but that one she just yeah. doesn't stop right all or nothing kind of thing yeah but she's educating herself now and she's getting some good trainers to help her as well so she you know deloads people yeah, but she won't listen to you because you're a no, partner 100%. <laughs> she's gonna listen to this yeah. she, she knows she'll tell you she'll tell you that she yeah. doesn't listen to me she should my partner's the same don't worry they're all the same apparently everyone i've spoke to is a trainer and their wife never never bloody listens yeah i imagine yeah. their husbands no, would no, neither no, if they're a female trainer much. i don't listen to you yeah. yeah but they um yeah, that's where deloads, things like deloads are good. We had someone talking about that, and what would you think a sign would be when it's time to deload? You're plateauing or you stop it. You're, like, you're yep. tired, mate, you know? Um, it, I don't know, I just periodically just put them in there. How often do you do it? Well, if I'm if you're doing a periodized program for, say, an athlete, then I don't really do it for my um, – well, actually, I'll go down this. For my general pop people – I still kind of deload them. Yep. So what I what I sort of structure as a program, I kind of made this one up with all of the polygon methods and all the other methods I've done. So if you do a say a German body comp program, which is an A A series and a B series, you know A one A two. Yep. Superset. So you do upper lower system. So I'll do say three to four sets of say twelve to fifteen, right, mm. for women, right. So I'll, we'll start with three sets of twelve for that first week. Yep. Three sets of fifteen for the next week. Up the weight, mm-hmm. four sets of twelve. Yep. Four sets of fifteen. Yep. That's a de- that's increasing volume. Yep. But then, it's also a deload on the third week because yep. you're dropping from you're going from three sets to four sets sets, but you're going back to twelve, even though it's only a, you know, a few reps. So you do it every few weeks. You'd have a on slight that, that scale day, of the intensity. Correct. Well, you can either go up on the weight. Yeah. You know, or you can go up on the weight because you're dropping the reps down. So mm. then you can. 
you kind of you're lowering the volume, so it's kind of intensity's going up a bit. Yeah, but the volume's coming down as well. So, yeah, you know. You, yeah, you, definitely. So you, that's a very minor scale. That's like a micro scale. Yeah, but that's but it, good because you're actually doing it frequently as opposed to waiting for eight weeks I to like, back off an intensity for like two weeks or something. I just do it with every client the same now with that. But if you know, if I'm going specific, say you say you got, and I, I, I want to boxer i've got to be a fight coming up or you know you've got a sport that you've got to be on the on, on the game for then i'll probably periodize that over a longer period I'll, yeah all right we're gonna a we're gonna actually length i'm gonna say right we're gonna do a month of this then we're gonna do a month of an intensity program then a, 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 an you know an undulating sort of accumulation yeah. intensification sort of phase well i find deloads are so important because there's only so long that you can continue to put weight on the bar. And a yep. lot of, Someone's got to change. Exactly. And you can't sprint all the time. I have this discussion with a lot of my clients where it's always, well, you know, this week I didn't hit a PB. It's like, well, if you incrementally put on 2.5 kilos every week, you're going to be pretty high yep. in 12 to 15 well, weeks. Like it's it's not possible for that consistent growth every week. No, it's where things like microplates come in. Like I've got microplates yep. and all what these- What weight? Micro ones, like point. I've got 0.12 of a control, like 12 grams. Really? Yeah. That tiny little adjustment, that's amazing. Well, your muscle will feel it, but your brain will. 100%. Right? Yeah. So very rare do I use them. They're sitting on the on the things. But for the majority of clients, I don't use them. Yeah, but, but if they hit that peak level. for the, And I've got stick-on weights for my dumbbells. I've got Watson revolving dumbbells that are sort of like um, like stainless. So these magnetic things, they stick to them, yeah? Yeah. So I use these for every client. Because as a woman, you know, they're, they're quite heavy. They start at 10 and they're thick handles, so they're they're not easy to pick up. So we go to a 10 and a 12 and a half is the next one up. It's quite a big jump. It's two and a half kilos, right? So in percentage-wise, if you're only pressing 10 kilos, that's quite heavy. Hmm. So I put these 0.25 grams on, on each one side or two sides, and it's half a kilo, and it's a micro increment. Yeah, so it is still progress. Progress is progress. Progress is progress, and that's all yeah. I see. And, and I... I will put, if you look at every program I've got on my blackboard at the moment, everyone's got progress, but they don't notice it. Yeah. But they go, oh, geez, I don't feel like getting anywhere. I'm like, mate, you started with this. Yes. And it's four weeks later and you're onto this. But but I feel like I just haven't got anywhere because you're not noticing it because I'm doing it so micro, yeah. small that they don't notice. But, but they're getting stronger. Good. It's it is good, good for someone to be able to have progress consistently over time i had this conversation with someone actually today before i came here where so many people for example if i I take a tradie he can be heavily overweight Mm. or extremely lean and he can work a 12 hour day six days per week and he can do that day in day out no issues if i did it for a couple of hours i would probably be able to walk for the next few days because my body's (laughs) not used to that movement but he's not getting any physiological adaptation essentially he's regressing because the body becomes more efficient at doing that that's where resistance training comes in because you can have that progressive overload over time 100 percent. it's like i say to um some of these people about the the body pump classes you know you know they're doing 20 kilo squats or whatever it might be 10 kilo squats for 200 reps Every class they go in five times a week. Yeah. You know? But they're not increasing the weight. Even if they increase the weight, they're still doing the same exercises, the same amount of reps with the songs, and then they hit the peak of about a month, and they got get nothing. Then they start putting weight on again. Yes, because the body adapts. They've adapted. It's the same as nutrition. You've got to change something. So whether you change the tempo of it, you yeah. change the reps, you change a slight movement there's so much room for movement in resistance training like so much potential for oh, growth mate, it's endless like yeah. you, you change your foot position on a yeah. squat 
you got a different yep. muscle recruitment. You know, you yeah. change your, you, you know, your pronate, your supinate, you, you do different bicep curls, swapping hands around. Now, I'm not talking down the benefits of physical activity in any way, shape or form that someone can do consistently and enjoy. Cardio is great for heart health, great for all these things. Not so good for aesthetics for people that are actually coming in for appearance purposes. Mm. Cardio? Yeah. No. I, I don't really do much of it. So realistically, if you look at cardio, what are you doing? Increasing heart rate. Yeah. You know? You go and do a density training program for, you know, that's a polycom one, right? So you go an upper body or a lower body movement, join them together, don't stop for 10 minutes. <laughs> do, do 10 reps on that one, do 10 reps on that one with yeah. a certain amount of weight. Well, you know, you got you got you got to work your weights out because if you go too heavy, you're gonna freaking gas out in two minutes. You're like, oh man, I'm done with three sets, you know. <laughs> but if you you're never gonna lift the amount of weight that you would be super strong with. So if you go, all right, we're gonna do a um, a curl to press, dumbbell curl to press. That's one of the, my favorite exercises. I use it a lot. And then you go, let's do a goblet squat with that. So you do a goblet squat with say 15 kilos for a female if they're super strong. We'll do 10 reps. Then you do 10 reps of a curl to press. Mate, I don't reckon your last 10 minutes. Yeah. If, if you pick the right weights and you will be Resistance and your cardio heart, is hard. Your heart rate is going higher than it will be going for a job. Yeah, in a steady state. There's a time and place for zone two cardio. I get it. There's so many things that people want to do. And by all means, if you get someone moving, fantastic. It's, There's a place for it. I but in terms find, of resistance cardio, yeah. that's next level. Yeah, I find that if you want to use the cardio, it's good for burning calories. Yeah. Which is why people do it. But it's yeah. so much easier just to eat less compared to trying to yeah. out-train the food that you're actually eating. It's just a burning thing. I, it's hard because I, I don't do bodybuilding. I don't do physique stuff. But if you talk to those guys, they do their fasted cardio in the morning yeah. to, to get the, the burn and the, the calorie deficit. And, you know, I don't know. It's, it's because they don't want to be in a deficit because they're trying to grow muscle. Yeah. But they want to try and lean. I'm like, well, why don't you just eat the right foods? Yeah. Well, it's my theory. Why don't you just eat the right foods, you know? It's... um. One of those things. Well, Clint, we've run out of time. I love having you on. That went very quickly. Very interesting conversation. How can people find you? Um, I've got a Instagram or Facebook page. So Sarah Performance PT. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I love the chat. I'm definitely going to take things on board more with the oblique training. I've always done it, but I think I'm going to give it a little bit more extra attention. Mm. Very interesting. Um, really enjoyed it. I look forward to having you back again. No problem. Anytime. Hi, this is Matt Joe Gow, and you're listening to Radio Karam, which is local community internet radio. And uh, we were having a chat about community radio earlier and how important it is to Melbourne, how important it is to the scene here, the music scene, but also the wider community. So check out Radio Karam, tune in. If you're the Karam way, just call Mitchell Tall. Or in Patterson Lakes, just call Mitchell Tall. Anywhere Bayside, just call Mitchell Tall. Buy a summer house, just call Mitchell Tall. Mitchell Tall. Real estate. Oh, yeah, a little real estate. We want more. <laughs> <laughs> We've done it. One take.